Hello, everyone, and welcome to the March 24th edition of WarCom Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. A new WCAB panel decision rejected the use of the infamous AMA guides figure 15-19 to rate a cervical spine injury. Here's what happened in the case of Davis versus Walt Disney Company. In 2008, Ron Davis injured his cervical spine at the Walt Disney Company while pulling a heavy file cabinet. He underwent two cervical spine surgeries and the case grew to involve his psyche, sleep disorder, sexual dysfunction, and GERD. To resolve disputed medical issues, the parties used several AMEs, including Dr. Roger Sohn in orthopedics. Dr. Sohn found 23% whole person impairment using the range of motion method of the AMA guides and also found under the diagnosis rated estimate category four, he would have a 26% whole person impairment plus 3% for chronic pain, producing a 28% whole person impairment. But Dr. Son said that this did not accurately reflect the applicant's impairment rating and attempted to apply an Almaraz-Guzman rebuttal. The doctor complained that the rating accounts only for activities of daily living. To get an accurate rating in this applicant, he said that work activities must be taken into account and not to do so would lead to an inaccurate rating. The applicant had virtually no extension of his cervical spine and only 40% of normal flexion and also had moderate spasm. He had significant limits in his ability to lift as well as his ability to move his neck. In the doctor's opinion, the applicant had lost 60% of his cervical spine functioning. Thus, Dr. San used the infamous figure 15-19, which provides for 80% whole person impairment for the complete loss of cervical spine functioning. Thus, the doctor said that the applicant's whole person impairment would best be rated at 48% WPI. To that, he added 3% for chronic pain level, and the applicant's whole person impairment became 50% under the Almarez-Guzman analysis. But the work comp judge rejected Dr. Sohn's argument and awarded instead 62% total PD after apportionment for all body parts based strictly upon the AMA guides. The work comp judge reasoned that the AME failed to provide sufficient explanation as to why using figure 15-19 would be more appropriate than the range of motion or DRE method under the spinal chapter, other than to achieve a desired result because the doctor viewed the AMA guides as not considering work functions. The judge went on to note that figure 15-19 is a pictorial diagram of the side view of the spinal column. There's no rating methodology described in figure 15-19. The figure is provided only for a discussion of chapter 15, which explains how to convert whole person impairment into regional spine impairment, not vice versa. The applicant's petition for reconsideration of this decision was denied based upon the reasoning of the workers' compensation judge. An employer lost their negligence and bad faith case against the state fund. Here's what happened in the case of Pearson Food Company versus the State Compensation Insurance Fund. Pearson owns and operates a large food distribution warehouse in Los Angeles County. It was insured by the state fund <clears throat> between 2003 and 2005. 
An audit of Pearson's records revealed that it had underreported payroll and therefore owed an additional $8,000 in premium. A collection company sued Pearson in Superior Court to collect this balance. But Pearson filed a cross-complaint alleging the fund negligently handled three of their claims resulting in overpayment and setting improper reserves on those claims. As a result, Pearson said they were charged higher insurance premiums and were unable to secure less expensive insurance from another insurance company. The trial court ordered that the matter be heard by an appointed referee. During the trial of the civil action, a number of witnesses testified, including expert testimony of Sam Smith, a claims handling expert, and Susan Silverman, an attorney. The referee found that Pearson failed to prove its claims. The referee found that Pearson's complaints were trivial and did not result in significant damage or demonstrate a pattern of negligence or bad faith. The Court of Appeal affirmed in the unpublished case. The Court of Appeal found no merit to any of the employer's arguments. It concluded, as did the referee, that at the end of the day, Pearson's dispute was a quibble that does not support significant damages. The Court of Appeal also held that intoxication was not a defense to a civil action brought against an uninsured employer. Here's what happened in the case of Lopez versus Delgadillo. Sacramento Lopez was injured while working for Elena Delgadillo and Jesus Cortez. He sued them in Superior Court seeking damages for the injury and also alleging violation of various wage and hour laws. The employer did not have workers' compensation covering Mr. Lopez's injury. A jury verdict found in Mr. Lopez's favor and the employer appealed and the Court of Appeals sustained the judgment in the unpublished case. If an employer has failed to obtain workers' comp insurance or permission from the state to self-insure, the employee may bring a civil action for damages. The employer sought to present evidence at trial of Mr. Lopez's drug and alcohol use at the time of the injury, but the trial court excluded the evidence and refused the employer's request for a jury instruction regarding intoxication. The Court of Appeal agreed with the ruling on the intoxication issue. In lawsuits seeking damages for workplace injuries when the employer fails to obtain workers' compensation insurance, it is presumed that the injury to the employee was a direct result and grew out of the negligence of the employer. And the burden of proof is upon the employer to rebut the presumption of negligence. It is not a defense to the employer that the employee was guilty of contributory or comparative negligence. Otherwise, uninsured employers would have a potential advantage over insured employers, a result clearly contrary to the legislature's intent. Accordingly, any evidence of Mr. Lopez's drug and alcohol use to show his negligence was properly excluded. And now our fraud report. 61-year-old Jose Fabian Ruiz of Los Angeles is in custody and charged with multiple felony counts, including filing a fraudulent insurance claim. He initially claimed a debilitating lower back injury, which supposedly prevented him from working. In response to a complaint, the Department of Insurance opened an investigation and interviewed Mr. Ruiz on two occasions. In both interviews, Ruiz stated that his injury left him unable to lift more than 10 pounds 
and resulted in a limited range of motion, preventing him from performing parts of his job, such as climbing into a big rig truck. But video surveillance revealed that he continued physically demanding work on a side job while receiving more than $1,500 in workers' comp benefits. Department investigators obtained surveillance footage that showed him working on large trucks and showed him performing his regular work and working on trucks with a, with, uh, a full range of motion. Two independent medical experts reviewed the video and both determined that Ruiz was not impaired by any major injury, nor was he functioning with any significant level of pain. Ruiz is currently being held on $8,000 bail at the Linwood Detention Center. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted proposed changes to regulations transitioning from ICD-9 to ICD-10. ICD-10 is the 10th revision of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, a medical classification list by the World Health Organization, or WHO. Work on ICD-10 began in 1983 and was completed in 1992. ICD-10 is already in use in about 25 countries. The new code set allows more than 14,000 different codes and permits the tracking of many new diagnoses. The codes can be expanded to cover over 16,000 codes by using optional subcategories. The detail reported by the ICD-10 can be further increased with a simplified multi-axial approach by using codes meant to be reported in a separate data field. The United States continues to use ICD-9, the prior edition of ICD. The deadline for the United States to begin using ICD-10 is currently October 1, 2014. In preparation for this deadline, it is necessary for the DWC to update regulations and forms to refer to ICD-10 rather than ICD-9. The online forum discussing the new proposed regulations can be found on the DWC Forum's webpage. The head of the FDA defended the agency's approval of Zohydro, a powerful prescription opioid made by saying it offers a unique option to treat pain despite concerns about potential abuse. The FDA's approval of the drug has drawn a flood of criticism, including protests from the attorneys general of 28 states and dozens of groups representing doctors and addition addiction treatment specialists. These critics have petitioned the FDA to consider pulling the drug's marketing approval. But the FDA Commissioner Margaret Hamburg acknowledged to a Senate hearing that Zohydro is a powerful drug but, if appropriately used, serves an important and unique niche with respect to pain medication. Her comments came barely a week after the manufacturer said it was making the painkiller available at select pharmacies. The manufacturer said it is making progress on another version of Zohydro to deter abuse. In approving the drug, the FDA overruled its panel of outside experts who had recommended against approval, citing safety concerns about the potential for abuse. Senators at the committee's hearing echoed worries about the abuse, noting the, that Zohydro is not made in a way 
to thwart crushing or chewing of such drug to get high. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia called on U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius to overturn the FDA's approval. He later introduced legislation that would ban Zohydro. Hamburg also said more attention needs to be paid to the overdose reversal medication called naloxone, which could save more lives if it were easier to use and more widely available. Hundreds of thousands of doctors face a 24% Medicare pay cut on April 1st as part of a 1990s initiative to restrain federal spending on the government health care program. But bipartisan legislation is heading to the floors of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives, perhaps within the next month, to fix a flaw in how doctors are paid by Medicare. Congress has for a decade merely made stopgap corrections to avert drastic payment cuts to Medicare payments under SGR, which was created by the Balanced Budget Act of 1997. Last year alone, Congress averted a fee cut of nearly 27% to physician payments. After years of debate, a solution has passed three powerful congressional committees. The agreement would repeal SGR and would bring an end to the stopgap corrections to and dramatic cuts in doctor uh, payments from Medicare and what has since been labeled the doc fix. At the same time, the legislation heading for Senate and House votes would tie more physician reimbursement to quality and outcome measures. Should the legislation pass, it will increase payments 0.5% annually through 2018. And more Medicare payments would be tied to quality measures that, that include clinical care, safety, care coordination, patient and caregiver experience, and population health. To get bonus payments, physicians would be compared to their peers and measures would be updated every year. The move could also be good news to the health insurance companies like Aetna, United Health Group, Humana, and others. They need doctors to participate if they are going to provide seniors with adequate medical care provider networks. And in other news, the California Department of Insurance says that public service insurance companies' newly announced exit from California's workers' compensation market is not a reflection of the health of the state's work comp system. Public service insurance company and its affiliates, Paramount Insurance Company of New York and Western Select Insurance Company in Los Angeles, are collectively referred to as Magna Carter Companies, which operate through an intercompany pooling reinsurance agreement. AM Best this week downgraded its financial strength rating to B plus from B plus plus and the issuer credit rating to BBB minus from BBB. The rating downgrades reflect the significant deterioration in Magna Carta companies operating performance during the fourth quarter of 2013 due to a $57 million charge to strengthen reserves. Approximately $31.9 million of the group's reserve strengthening actions were related to its workers' compensation line of business. 
Best is concerned about the lack of clarity regarding Magna Carta Company's risk appetite and business strategy, which has contributed to the below-average underwriting and operating results in recent years. AMBEST expects management will focus on these critical issues to return the group to profitability in the near future. A California Department of Insurance spokesman said the department has been aware of the exit of this company and that it would have a negligible impact on the state. Public Service Insurance Company was a very small part of the market share of California. It's estimated the company wrote less than $29 million in direct premiums amid the state's $9 billion market. The company wrote less than one-half of 1% of California's comp business. The exit does not portend any developing problems for California workers' comp carriers. California Department of Insurance spokesman added, the California market is very vibrant and thriving. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Folds with Floyd, Karen, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.